Welcome to the Ferris Love Podcast, where we share spiritual and practical ideas for how to live family life with a beautiful, self-sacrificing love. Today, we are joined by Marcy Stockman, founder of The Well-Read Mom, a program designed to accompany women in the reading of great books and spiritual classics to encourage personal growth, friendship, and meaningful conversations. Marcy will be discussing the importance of good books and creating reading as a habit. Marcy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Mary Grace. It's great to be here. So um, in the sense of building this program, The Well-Read Mom, can you explain to us how that all started and what is its purpose for women today? Right. Well, I really wasn't trying to build anything. What what happened was I, my, my, I have seven children and when my daughter got married and uh, became a new mom, she, she called me one day and she said, Mom, isn't there a place after college where women get together and talk about the real questions of life? Mm. And I think she said that because she was really lonely. Mm. And I understood the loneliness of new motherhood because I I had been in a new city when my husband was in school and we were first married. Mm. The loneliness was, I I just wasn't expecting uh, being at home with a baby in a new city and not knowing anyone and not knowing how to navigate or network. And so uh, I heard that same loneliness in, in her voice. And in my own life, I I've been a reader my my whole life, but you know life gets busy, and uh, as the children came, the reading quality literature for its own sake, mm-hmm. it, it fell by the wayside in my life because um, other things. Well, the, the, we all say it, life is busy, right? Mm-hmm. So, I I let that sort of slip out of my life. And at the, the time Beth called, I was trying to resurrect that practice in my life, and I didn't know how, really. It seems like every important thing in my life, every important, um, everything, everything I want, you know, I need friends to do it with, to help me move in the right direction, you know, toward the Lord, toward being more faithful in prayer, everything. And so at that time, I was giving some talks to mothers of preschoolers in northern Minnesota, where I live, and on children's literature. And they said, can you come back and speak again? And I had no idea really what to talk about. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I'll, I'll see what the women are reading. So mm-hmm. so I, I titled it, um, this talk that I gave three times, <laughs> Well-Read Mom. Mm-hmm. And so I went and talked about the importance of reading, did some research on that. Mm-hmm. And um, I drove home from each talk sad because I felt like I was speaking to these women who are already feeling inadequate mm-hmm. and overloaded. And I kind of showed up and said, let, let me point out one more way you're failing. Mm-hmm. You know, you should also mm-hmm. be doing this. Mm-hmm. And and it was so sad driving home because that's not what I wanted to do. And and I was in the same boat, you know. So I realized that going around giving talks about re- the importance of reading wasn't really helping anyone to actually take a step, mm. read more, and to read w- books that point you in the direction of, um, you know, human growth. Mm-hmm. So so when my daughter called, sorry, this is kind of long, but when my daughter called that day, um, 
her desire for this meaningful place of connection mm-hmm. and, and and the real cry of her heart merged with my desire to kind of actually have some accountability with reading mm-hmm. quality literature. They they merged and and it's just we just got this idea. Let's let's read really good books together. Mm-hmm. Why don't we do this together, Beth? You get some friends in St. Paul mm-hmm. came to her apartment and I invited some women to my living room and and that that's how it began Warren Mom groups. Wow. And how did you go about um, like what kind of books were you reading at the time? You, you, you're talking about classics, you're talking about, you know, good books, but what, what were those in the beginning? And then have they changed throughout time? Right. Well, I, I had been in a classic book club, um, for 10 years. And mm-hmm. so I was introduced to really good literature. And then I homeschooled my uh, children. Pete and I homeschooled our seven children. And so I helped found a, you know, classical co-op. Mm-hmm. And so you learn as you go, you know, just basically half a step ahead of the kids, you know, reading the Iliad, the Odyssey, uh, Virgil's Aeneid, Dante for the first time myself. Mm-hmm. And also this book club I was in. Mm-hmm. And so I, I understood that, well, these books are hard and I, I you know, I, I'm just uh, trying to hang in there. But I realized even when I didn't understand everything, I and I never have, mm-hmm. I was living in a different way when I was in the pages of these kind of books. Like life was richer. Conversations were richer conversations at the dinner table with the kids were somehow more interesting Mm. when I was in the pages of good literature. Mm. And so when Beth and I decided to do this, we said, let's really do this for five years. You know, Mm. I said, Beth, look, I'll put together a book list. I pulled 150 books off my shelves in my home because I have books all over the house. Mm. I pulled them um, off the shelves. I stacked them on this rug on the floor trying to figure out how to order this five-year book list, you know? So I'm thinking, okay, we could go from the ancient epics, Mm -hmm. you know, through St. Augustine's Confessions, Dante, you know, we could go chronologically. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of panicked because I thought, you know, I don't really want to be in this book club. (laughs) (laughs) This is too heavy right off the bat. You know, it's kind of like asking women to run a marathon. And we, <laughs> yeah. we need to actually, you know, jog around the track together. Right. Or jog walk, you know. Yeah, so ease into it. <laughs> anyone to feel like they couldn't do this. These books were written for normal people. They're written for human beings, mm-hmm. persons, mm-hmm. and to grow in their humanity. And so they're for everyone. You don't have to be a literature professor, you know, to, to benefit. But you do need help and accountability and, and a place to to discuss this and, and get the nuggets you can out of it, out of out of great literature, great and worthy books. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I'm piling these books on my rug and just in this quandary. And one of the books I found, a pamphlet kind of, was uh, Pope John Paul's Letter to Women. And so while I have all these books piled on the floor and I'm paging, I'm reading Pope John Paul's Letter to Women for the first time. Mm-hmm. And um, and he's thanking women in their various capacities. Thank you, women who 
you know, who are mothers. Thank you, women who work. Thank you, women who are sisters and daughters and friends, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I understood um, that the books could be ordered in the capacity of a woman's life. Mm-hmm. So we had Year of the Mother, Year of the year of uh, coming up in a couple of years, Year of the Teacher, oh. Year of the Worker, Year of the Spouse, mm-hmm. uh, Year of, um, we've added a few, Year of the Pilgrim, Year of the mm-hmm. Contemplative, Year of the Artist. And then we take great and worthy books and sometimes new works. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we have some criteria. They, ha- they have to be literary. They have to uh, be true to the human, uh, to reality, to how reality actually works. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have to open us up to the universal questions. Mm-hmm. Why do I love? Mm-hmm. Why do I, why do I struggle? Why, why am I jealous? You know, the human questions that were broken, mm-hmm. um, that we need a savior, you know, that, that we need redemption. So we, we do have criteria for choosing the books, but anyway, that day reading Pope John Paul, the second, I, understood how to organize these books in in the capacity of of a woman's life so so we read um a spiritual classic during advent and also during lent mm-hmm. and and then we read literature the rest of the time and it goes from september through june and uh some easier reads during the holiday months because it tries to uh, my i want to make this work in a woman's life and so we don't read heavy, hard books over, you know, the holiday months. We read books that will help our work are doable. And right. and um I guess it's working. And I and I also understood that the cry in Beth's heart is is really a human cry. Mm-hmm. We need connection with other with others. Um and people are lonely and this this meets a need for mm-hmm conversation and friendship and so it's been a real gift and privilege to be part of it that's incredible and and do you notice um as you have um these groups and you're and you're actually you know really working with moms in that sense like do you notice um there's certain needs within mothers and 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 within their family lives and that these books and that what you bring to well, right, mom, do you do you notice that has an effect on those needs? Well, that's a good question. Yeah, yeah. It I I'm thinking of a woman from Indiana. Um, she came up to me and she said, I've been in Walred Mom a year now. And mm-hmm. I said, Oh, great. You know, what what have you noticed? And she thought for a moment, she's like, hmm, well, I guess I would have to say my relationship with my 14-year-old daughter has improved. Mm-hmm. I said, really, you know, tell me more, which book helped? Yeah. She said, it, it's not any one book, I guess. It's, it's reading these kind of books that has uh, made me kind of grow in my capacity to stay with her at this time in her life, to kind of maybe see her perspective uh, in a, in a, it, it, with a greater capacity to stay with her. So, that's what literature does. It increases our capacity for empathy, to walk in another's shoes, to to live in a world bigger than our own, in a sense, you know, and and to to grow in wisdom, mm-hmm. uh, the possibilities there. So 
that that was a real blessing uh, and and we hear that a lot you know that that relationships improve marriages mm. it's helped marriages it, which is kind of crazy because it's not what we're just setting out to read good literature mm. together people have come into the church which is also wow. a blessing my my daughter uh we read dracula this year which to tell you the truth it wasn't my favorite uh, <laughs> yeah. I was like, why? But, you know, I don't like every book we choose, and, and I'm glad I read it. But my daughter, a lot of women loved it. Mm-hmm. And my daughter was telling me that she had her group that night. She was in the grocery store and ran into a neighbor from a few years ago who had moved, but they met in the grocery store. And and this woman is an atheist, and uh, they got to talking about what, what they were reading, and Beth said, I just finished our Walward mom groups reading Dracula, and she was reading Dracula too. And Beth said, why don't you come to our group? So she came to their group. And, you know, we have a companion that goes with our program that is, I I can't even believe how excellent it is for quality and how it helps guide us. Mm -hmm. Uh, Talking about the author and a closer look on the on the particular each particular book, a closer look why we're why we chose this book, what we're looking at with the the theme, and and then we encourage the women to look at their own experience and uh, as they read the literature, kind of compare it with their heart. And so it's it's not a book club where you try and find, you know, or or literary analysis. You're looking and comparing it with your own life Mm -hmm. and trying to see something new. And so it's a bit bit of a different method uh, than a a lot of book clubs. But anyway, back to back to this woman comes to the the book club and she sees these questions we have about evil and 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 goodness and and about questions about the Eucharist, because there's some of that in Dracula. Um, And she starts saying, well, she asks questions about evil or what is the Eucharist? And you really, and so they have this discussion about the faith mm-hmm. and about good and evil and truth and mm-hmm. uh, why there were concerns with Dracula with, yeah. you know, so, so anyway, it, it, it ended up being a, a, a moment of beauty and dialogue mm-hmm. uh, that is, was a surprise mm-hmm. with with someone in in the community and that kind of thing happens mm-hmm. over and over again so so it's a it's that's interesting to me yeah well it's 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 beautiful because you had said earlier about choosing literature that it, it invoke or it it tells a, of a truth right it's it's directing you towards truth and so our understanding of truth is okay god is truth goodness and wisdom and, and beauty um and just choosing those books for anyone, they can they can see how that affects their lives too, even if they don't believe in God. And, and and if they're reading it well, like they're they're potentially directing towards that that good. Um, and actually, to kind of go off of that, you had mentioned your criteria. You have a specific criteria. Do you look at books? Um, nowadays like do you have you talk about classics and spiritual classics are you strictly confined to that or do you um go a little bit more modern and if so how do you judge those books because i know a lot of times women you know are stuck and men and 
you know, everyone is stuck in this idea of like only classics, but can you find, you know, the good, can you find those, that, those, that criteria within good books and how do you, how do you do that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, because what I'm starting to see, um, in, in this work is that as more and more groups form, and we have over a thousand now across the United States and in other countries as well, uh, there's a a, rooted, a a rootedness that's happening. There's this ripple effect because wherever women get together and read, other people read. You know, mm-hmm. there's a there's a ripple. Like my husband now, my my boys, my my son John is in a house with a group of guys. They're all reading. T.S. Eliot's Four Quartets. I'm like, why are you guys reading? And well, there's a ripple. They're, they're, you know, their moms are reading it. And anyway, yeah. it's yeah. crazy to me, but I'm going off your question because your question was, do we read current books? Mm-hmm. And we are including current books in our lineup as well as in the summer. And uh, for example, uh, a living, living authors, because mm-hmm. first of all, if it's worthy, if it's true to the, the human experience. In other words, there are consequences. You know, there has it has to be ordered to reality. Mm-hmm. And if if and if it's it has to be literary. Mm-hmm. So the writing has to be beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but we are doing doing that because for there to be a renaissance or a renewal of of culture, we 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 need to have writers. And to have writers, you have to have people who are reading. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that Walred Mom is doing is helping people read books from print, mm-hmm. which is an extremely important thing to continue doing in, in a culture that's losing that capacity mm-hmm. to, to read deeply mm-hmm. and access that part of our brain that deep reading uh, kind of allows us to enter into, which mm-hmm. is different from uh, being online uh, with technology. So we're, we're, we're hanging on to something and and growing in our maintaining and sustaining our ability to 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 deep read and that in itself is not a small thing right. so so anyway if the more we grow and then we read some current authors as well it it creates readers and that's what we need for writers to keep right. writing right yeah, because once you yeah you find those good authors, you want to support them as much as you can. Um, I know it's always a good thing. I you know I read a lot of children's books as I used to be a teacher, and finding those new books right that are Caldecott winners or anything like that they're they're exciting to find because you're like oh my gosh this is a is, this draws you to truth goodness and beauty, and it's you know a new book. It's great to see. Um, I just it it seems a little more daunting when it's you know a, a, a literature for adults or literature for, you know, older audience, because it's like, oh, you, you never know what's kind of in it. But um, that's really, really um, powerful that I love how you said, like, if we're going to change culture, we need to be kind of in it, too. And I think that's that's really important. Um, do you have um, so have you noticed amongst the women that you kind of speak with do, when you're in these groups like what habit or yes, what habits are fostered within your groups? And then how do the women kind of bring those habits to their family life? Like, do, do you notice anything? Do they, do women talk about that and, and any suggestions on how you can do that? Right. Well, one habit that comes to me is the habit of 
conversation. So we we come together, we leave our phones at the door is, mm-hmm. is the proposal, although uh, it doesn't always work and <laughs> mine has gone off before. But, mm-hmm. but the idea is let's create sort of a technology-free environment for this one hour and 15 minutes together. Let's really look at each other. Let's let's talk about the literature. We we have a launching point. You know, we we have something. the The great the book gives us something to talk about. So we we have this starting point. We've all read the same book. And by the way, if you don't get the book read, there's only one rule in Warred Mom. And if you don't get the book read, don't apologize. Just come. Keep coming and see if you don't uh, start reading more. And, and it happens again and again because life happens, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people people are in the hospital. People, you know, your primary vocation is being a mother or you don't have to be a mom. You can be single and be a married mom. You can be, we have widows. The oldest, I thought the oldest member was 84, but someone called me and said it, that they have a woman in their group who's 93. Oh. And I thought that, I love that. So we have young moms, we have single. My daughter started a group when she was in college. And that group is still going, and now she's a mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I am all over the place. What was your question again? <laughs> Just about how, if, if there are any suggestions for having, like, oh. that, that the women take to their family lives and, like, how they can build good habits. Right. So I think I think what we long for, like Beth's initial longing or cry of her heart was for this meaningful connection. Mm-hmm. And we long for that in our families too, right? We want to really connect with each other. I often, if we sit down to dinner, that's a, that's a good time that where that could, could happen. But when we're reading a book together and can actually look each other in the eye, read each other's facial expressions, um, like face-to-face conversation is a human experience and it's humanizing and and it's a good skill to have. Um, so we develop that skill of dialogue, conversation, and that that ripples into marriage, into relationships with our children. Um, yeah, I it, it was when my kids were home over Christmas break, um, I, I see them reading and it, it's crazy to me because for us with seven children, like not everyone likes to read. And, you know, it's kind of could be a battle at times to kind of foster this habit of reading in the home. But parents need to do it. They need to foster this mm-hmm. and they need it for themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, often we want to do things for our kids, but you need it for yourself. Mm-hmm. You need to educate your heart, have your heart taken care of uh, so you can look them in the eye and love them and see them in a new way. Um, so it helps with that, I think. Mm-hmm. And then you then you blow it again and then you, you know, it's not easy. <laughs> you know. It's the, it's the, it's the, the struggle. It's the good struggle. Um, I love how you talked about um, with women and communication and, you know, with the technology and family life and it can, it can be overwhelming and, you know, children might not want to communicate with their parents because of this or that. And, um, just having an opportunity teaching your teaching, you're teaching mothers how to communicate well. Right. And then I'm sure they bring that to their husbands and then they, you know, bring it to the family. Like you were saying how, 
you reading encouraged your sons to read. And it's, it's a very beautiful thing to have that example um, because then that kind of sets the tone. Um, and so you mentioned, you know, if women don't come, they don't come ready to read or ready to have, have had their the book read. How would you, how would you encourage, or what would you suggest for, for women and for men even, and, and their children to, um, who struggle with that struggle with getting around to reading or, or replacing it as, as something to, to take care of. Well, it's, it's not easy in our culture and it takes an intentional effort to sit down and read. And we don't have the attention span often. Uh, the more I've been online uh, with, with this work or the, I have to intentionally make reading from print a a priority, even if it's 10 minutes a day, because we we can lose this ability to to focus. And deep reading fosters disciplined, focused attention. And online reading and surfing around on, online or on your phone, that fosters constant um, in, inattentiveness, you know, changing all the time and um, it, so it doesn't facilitate developing the capacity to focus and pay attention. But but disciplined, regular reading practice, a regular reading practice, even if you begin five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, but you stick with it. And that's why we want to encourage women because I've had women who, oh, I had a really beautiful story um, recently. I ran into a woman and she she was crying and I said, she said, thank you for this. And she, I, I think she was a single woman. I don't know. And I, she said, no, you don't understand. This has changed my life. And basically she was saying, I couldn't read a book. I, I couldn't do it. I really, I didn't read books. Mm-hmm. And so I was afraid to join, but I joined. And, and because we have this rule, don't apologize, just come. And you just stay with it. If you can read a chapter, read a chapter. If you, if there were times, you know, when all the kids were home and I, I'd prop a book by my kitchen sink and read a couple paragraphs. Um, you do what you can do in the time you have, but but with an intentional intentionality to develop a reading practice, it's it's really possible. And then the more you the more you read, the more you experience the benefits and the relaxation. It's a stress reliever. You know, I used to look at a big thick book and my heart would my blood pressure would go up. So I think, ah, oh, I don't know if I can do it. And now I look at it and understand this will help me relax. This is this is good for my life. It's not a waste of time. It's not, you know, it's it's like a, a beautiful thing. But I was where was I going with this? Um help, can you help me, Mary? Yeah, no, just the the idea of like if you're struggling with finding the time, how do you encourage what how do you help with that? Like what are some suggestions? No, so I just wanted to say that it's a grad, it can be a gradual thing. Like we've had women who one woman was two years with us before she read her first book. So she stayed now. Some people would say, well, she's failing. No, she isn't, because she stayed with it and she read what she could in the time she had, and she stayed she persevered. Mm-hmm. And in talking to these women now, 10 years later, they read every book. And it's not hard for them. Like I, I asked one woman, 
who couldn't finish the books the first year she started, I said, well, will you get this book read? Absolutely. I'm not worried about it at all because I've grown in this practice and I know how to pace myself. And I, so we can grow in our capacity to read and we just need to, to not have pressure to Mm -hmm. just do what you can. And, and don't, it's not about shame. It's not about, you know, putting another burden on, another weight for someone to carry. It's just not about that. It's about growing in friendship um, and, you know, growing in our humanity, loving the Lord more. Um, And it's, so that's, that's what it's really about. That's great. And do you, I'm curious when you said you homeschooled your, your kids, when you were homeschooling, did you have any reluctant, they call them reluctant readers and, if so, like, did you, do you have any suggestions for parents to encourage that? Cause I think as an adult, you can have the grace to say, okay, I, I can't get to it now. Like I, I'm trying, I can get there eventually. And eventually you can, but for children, it's kind of a little bit more of a need to read as opposed to, so do you, do you have any suggestions for parents who are trying to encourage their children to read more? And with that sense of it's not no, no pressure, but also it's, it's good for you. Right. <laughs> well, uh, for for children, one, one thing I think about five years ago in our companion, which is really really a core piece in Wild Red Mom. When you when you become a member, you you're sent this companion, and really so proud of it because it's excellent. Mm-hmm. It's an excellent resource, and in there is a family supplement, mm-hmm. so that follows the theme for each month. So so you know, and Charity Hill does a fantastic job picking, curating a list of children's books. And not to, again, it's, it's primarily this, well, her mom is for women, all mm-hmm. women. Mm-hmm. But, but again, it's, it's a way to bring more books into your home, get books from the library. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully some of these books that uh, Charity Picks can be reprinted. We're, we're working also on that. And um, to make beautiful books um, available. But anyway, uh, an environment for kids. I think I can't stress enough, you know, everyone's understands the value of reading to your children for, for them to become readers. But we don't emphasize enough, and studies have shown that just as close to that nearly percentage-wise, it's just the parents themselves read. Because children need to see, wow, this is something adults do. Like my mom, what's in these books that my mom enjoys so much? Mm-hmm. You know, it, because otherwise we're fostering some kind of school time reading that isn't really what adults do. Mm-hmm. When kids get out of school, they're, they're, I'm done with that, you know. And I have kids with dyslexia, kids with different learning uh, struggles. Um, I have some learning struggles myself. And and it's like, uh, do what you can, right? So one one son really is helped by by audio, audio, audible books or audio books. Great. Mm-hmm. And um, but but what I think they recognize is that there's something in there that's that's beautiful and true and good for their life. And mm-hmm. so they've continued. All my kids as adults have continued. And. Yeah, I, I can't get over it, really, because that's not how it was when they were growing up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you can not make it a fight, but really model it and mm-hmm. to them. And, um. oh, that's beautiful. I haven't. That's a great. Yeah, because you don't you always hear the side of read to your children, read to your children. 
but yeah, that whole aspect of you are the example. I mean, you want your children to see the virtues and that, that you want them to display. So I think that's, that's really um, profound. Um, do you have, do you have anything else you'd like to share in regards to, you know, reading and building a habit or, um, suggestions, I guess, for, for future reading? Well, for me, like I told you earlier, it's hard to do anything good for myself by myself. Mm -hmm. Um, I really need friends (laughs) to stay with me. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's again and again. And, you know, when I was reading Les Miserables by Victor Hugo, Mm -hmm. I thought there's no way I can read this. I've got a son graduating from high school. I've got a wedding I'm helping with, you know, the house is crazy, all of this. And I thought, I'm going to go to my group and just suggest we read the, watch the movie together. You know, everyone's life is so busy. Let's just skip this one. We've been good all year, right? So, so we had two months to read this book, May and June. And I go to my book club and as I walk in, Linda is talking to someone and she said, oh, I started Les Mis already and I love it. And it's beautiful. Every sentence is, oh, I just have to stop because of the beauty. And and I thought, oh, I just this because they had already started the book. And anyway, I thought there's no way I'm going to get it done. And my friend Janelle, she said, well, you know, maybe you ninja just follow the rule. If you don't get it read, don't apologize. You know, it's not like you just because you're leading this thing doesn't mean you get every book read. And I thought, I went home sad thinking, what do I really want? Do I want to read Les Miserables, this great book? And I thought, I really do want to read this. When am I going to do it if I don't do it now with this these friends who are helping me and this accountability? And I thought, I probably won't do it, is the truth. If I can't do it right now. So I went home. I went back, I I went home, I grabbed my kitchen timer, I set it for 10 minutes, I took the book, and I went and sat outside on the back porch and read for 10 minutes. And, and then I, I did that again. I did that four times that day, because I because anyway, the end of the story is one hour before my meeting to discuss Les Miserables, I finished the book. And I did that with such a sense of satisfaction, such a sense of accomplishment, and everything else still happened. You know, uh, my son graduated. We had the we attended the way, and and that book has helped my life so much, Mary Grace, because you see Jean Valjean, you see him choosing again and again to forgive. You see him choosing. You see him on this road, this journey of holiness. And he has to keep making the choices. It's not a one and done. And I just see that for my life. And it's helped my life a great deal. It's increased my desire for uh, growing in in this capacity to love and forgive. And um, that it doesn't end. It's a journey that, and a decision you make again and again to ask for grace and to ask for forgiveness and start over again. So... Um, accountability with friends is a key for that seems to work. Mm-hmm. Well, I love how that just kind of encompasses the whole thing. Like you learn so much from this literature and it's, it's really, really wonderful. 
Um, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Um, you have said some really powerful things. I'm excited for our listeners to hear this. Great. Thank you, Mary Grace. And um, yeah, they can go to our website and join us. Not too, you can start a group anytime and we'll help you do that. And and uh, just come come along on the journey with us. And we'll include that in the notes as well. So thank you. All right. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Ferris Love Podcast. In 2024, we want to reach as many people as possible. You can help by sharing this episode with a friend, subscribing to the podcast, or leaving a review. To learn more, visit us at ferrisloveshrine.org.